Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I'm your host, Martha Tyler. And this week, we are going to be talking about music and kids. And to do that, I've brought on Amelia Bell. Hello, Amelia. Hi. I'm so glad that you're here. Me too. I was super, super excited about this. Yes. So Amelia and I met a long time ago. She and I were kind of talking before we hit record, um, doing a production of Peter Pan. And we both played crocodiles. Yes. I still have my parents got me a little, they went to the zoo that morning and went and got me a little crocodile. And I still have it somewhere around here. Amazing. I love that. Um, I, it's also really cool because my, so it was through Compass Creative Dramatics who have been on the podcast. So if you have not listened to that episode yet, um, it's theater um, and kids. Uh, But it was through that. And my nanny kids then were in the show later when they did the kids version of it. And, um, and one of my nanny kids played Captain Hook. She did such a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, <laughs> before <laughs> we get started talking about um, music and kids, let's hear a little bit about your background and your work with kids. Awesome. So I loved having a babysitter when I was a kid. And so as soon as I was like old enough, too. I started babysitting and camp counseling during the summertime, just uh, all of my like employment in my life other than like one short stint in a restaurant was always with kids. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I babysat through college. And then when I graduated, Funny enough, my dad had heard about this company called Bubbles Academy through family friends and was like, you you need to apply here. It's children and arts and you're going to be an actress, but you need a job and, and look there. And I did and I applied and I pretty much started as soon as I graduated. 
And I just, I mostly started as an assistant and then grew, grew into it. And as I was doing that, I would meet families and kids and they, it was a place that they could trust the adults that were there. So they would start asking me, you know, could I babysit on a weeknight that I wasn't working? And then I ended up meeting a family that I really connected with. And I have never been a full-time nanny, never even really been a like part-time nanny nanny, but I have had like children that I'm with two to three days a week who are, you know, when I am there, I am the person in charge and I am their grown up and I have grown up with them. I've been with them for the last five years ish. Yeah. And through, through bubbles where I started, which is where I still work. I learned how to be a teacher. I learned um, brain development and early childhood development and how the arts and for me specifically music helps nurture that in our littlest littles. Oh, I love it. That's just, I love when, um, I love like journeys and I love when, you know, like you're, you're just floating along the current of life and it just all kind of comes together in a, a career that it's just, it fits, you know, it's lovely. It's, it's the best. I love my job. It's, in, you know, every morning you might wait any job, you wake up in the morning being like, I just want my blankets. Right. But then I leave work being like 12 babies smiled at me. Oh my gosh, that was the cutest day ever. I helped this mom through this problem. I saw this kid who's been coming to my classes for six months, you know, share for the first time Aww. or say my name. I have multiple stuffed animals named after me. Oh. Great feeling. Yes, it really is. It's the best feeling. Um, yeah, I love that so much. Um, well, wonderful. Well, let's talk about music and kids. So um, what are what are some of the um, benefits to children of exposing them to music early on? Well, there are, there are a lot. Music is something that we, that human beings sort of innately connect to. Rhythm, there's literally a rhythm inside of your body from the moment you were born with your heart. Mm, yeah. And so music in general and noises and lights and things like that are something that even the littlest babies will get interested in and sort of sparked by. And my, my journey with music is not necessarily from a musician's perspective, but it's from a teacher's perspective. Right. And so we are all about how do we use instruments and songs and, and play to engage in that brain development, mm-hmm. which is so important. And the way we use that with music is introducing different sounds. Yeah. Same songs, repetition repeatedly. So that's why, you know, Wheels on the Bus is as exciting for a 18-month-old as it is for a five-year-old. They know it. It's comfortable. It's something they can jump into and grab onto, no matter right. how obnoxious it is for your – not obnoxious. Right. How, but <laughs> How overwhelming it may be for a parent. For a child, that is something that is exciting and comfortable. Yeah. I, um, I've led a 
class teaching teachers things before. And I, I told them, you know, sometimes I think that adults forget that feeling of like a kid hears like wheels on the bus or if you're happy and you know it or whatever. And it's the same feeling that we get when like the radio plays like one of your favorite songs that maybe you haven't listened to in a while and you you're just like yes this is my jam and I'm like you have to remember that for children they haven't been here that long so their jams are like you know 10 20 songs right now mm-hmm. they stand out but if it's the 500th time they've heard it it's still exciting to them And I think, yeah, I think your point about sometimes adults forgetting that or feeling like, oh my gosh, I've heard it enough um, is, you know, we can set that aside because it's kids, it's just their jam. Yeah, we use music for, to help kids reach all of the, you know, developmental milestones that even the CDC is saying we need to be watching for our kids. So music helps engage them you know, social emotionally, it helps them with their language, it helps them with their physical movement when you put instruments in front of them and have them reach for it or teach them how to shake. It involves so much physical modeling Mm -hmm. for a little one. And how do we make this noise? It's helping their brains create a sense of cause and effect when you hold a maraca in your hand and your hand moves and it makes a noise. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're a baby, you didn't necessarily intend to make that noise, but you recognize that it's happened. And as you grow into it, you can start manipulating that instrument into making that noise. And it creates that sense of, I did this, and then this happened. And yeah. it's, it's kind of wild and amazing. I love, I love watching that discovery. Oh, yeah. That is, it's so fun to watch like, wait, what? <laughs> like, you can almost see on their face, like, huh? And then, I, yeah, they do I it again. I peekaboo a lot in my baby music classes, mm-hmm. sort of. It, they're, they're all babies, but it's like, I, I can have babies as young as three months to like almost 13, 14 months if they're, you know, not quite walking yet. And watching the evolution of peekaboo and a child learning peekaboo is just so fun because when they're baby babies fresh fresh brand new you know it doesn't always quite register or when it does it can be almost a scary thing like they don't have object permanence my mom has disappeared oh my goodness I'm alone in the world oh good job mom came back amazing (laughs) then they start developing that sense of okay I think I'm catching on I know what's gonna happen now I was right. Mom did come back. Then it starts to be, I'm going to grab that thing because I think I know where you are. So I'm going to reach for that scarf or blanket or whatever is in front of your face. And then eventually it becomes, you can't find me. I disappeared. Where did I go? Yeah. Really beautiful. And you can see it happen like pretty steadily through that first year. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've watched that journey several times and it is it's just so fun. And I love playing peekaboo. I could do it all day. 
<laughs> um, I have done it all day <laughs> sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, um, one thing that I wanted to bring up because I, I learned about it in one of my, uh, child development classes. So, uh, music also, um, helps build, um, so, okay. In 2014, Mm -hmm. McMaster University did this study where they, um, they strapped babies or they had babies and bouncers that were Mm -hmm. like, they could bounce and they played music and the babies would a lot of times bounce to the music. Um, and so they had moms or caregivers, but I'm pretty sure it was a lot of moms. Um, they were, there were 68 babies in all and they had moms. And sometimes for half of the moms, they had them bounce on rhythm with the child. Mm-hmm. And for the other, um, half, they had them bounce off rhythm. So they're bouncing differently than the child and they're facing each other while all of this is happening. So the baby can see that the mom is either bouncing with them or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by baby, I am talking actually probably more about a toddler here. Um, so sorry. I, they I were, assume, I assume bouncing and I'm assuming that they, you know, yeah, they're, the they're 14 months to do that. Yeah. They're 14 month old babies. Um, and so, and then, so they would do this either bouncing with the child or not. And then they would move them to like this other room and the adult that they just either bounced with or didn't would quote unquote, accidentally drop something on the ground. And the babies that bounced in rhythm with the adult were more likely to hand back those dropped items than the babies that didn't bounce with. Wow. Yeah. And so like this, this article is called helpful bouncing babies show that moving together builds bonds from the time we learn to walk. And so in the summary is researchers have shown that moving with others in time to music increases altruistic behavior in babies who have barely learned to walk. Isn't that kind of wild? I love that. Yeah. So it not only like helps in all these other ways, and we're going to keep talking about the ways that it helps development, but you know, I, I think that that's like pretty 2014, like six years ago, we kind of learned this. So I don't think it's, it's gotten into the zeitgeist yet, but like that it also helps kids be kinder if you've moved together. I'm going to bring that up. Yeah. Like that's such a beautiful thing. And I love that music is a thing that can bring that all together. Yeah. We talk so much about, I talk a lot about sort of how the way that caregivers in my class engage with the music as well is such an important factor in it. I call it the, the like rock concert versus symphony effect, which is, Mm. you know, whether you're going to a symphony or a rock concert, it's still a concert. Mm -hmm. 
but that can mean two different things in the same way that like class can mean many different things. Right. And our little ones are going to take the way that they are supposed to respond in those, in those scenarios off of their caregivers. So if you're going to a concert, but it's the symphony, you know, you're supposed to sit in your seat. You're supposed to be pretty still and relaxed and take it in versus like a rock concert. You're standing up, you're head banging, you're dancing, you're jumping, you're allowed to make noise. Yeah. It's, and they don't, even though they're both technically concerts and you would imagine you would, your body would respond, do the same thing in either one. It's not the case and they need you to tell them, to show them how it is that they are supposed to be interacting with the environment in the class. Right. And so to, to clarify, it, it's better and like more enjoyable for the kids if they are allowed to be more like the rock concert, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but in the, the point that I was intending is that they need you to participate too. Right. It's not just that they're allowed to act like they are at a rock concert, but they need to see you acting like you are at a rock concert. Otherwise they think they're supposed to be sitting like at the symphony. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been, you know, with some of my nanny kids, um, taking them to different music classes um, over the years. And yeah, a, a teacher once said, uh, she was like, you know, if I, if I am the only one, the only adult doing the movements, then they have to just be looking at me to have the model. But if every adult in here can do the movements, can participate, can sing with me, it really helps. Then we have 10 models instead of just one. We, me and my director talk a lot about how, while I am technically the teacher of the class, every grown up in the room is a teacher right. as well. I am the one who's, I'm the one who's, you know, directing class. I'm the one picking the songs. I've set the curriculum, but you are just as much an example of teaching how the class goes as I am. I've right. just sort of made the pathway, but we all have to walk it together. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so I think for nannies listening or any caregiver listening, it, it is important to keep in mind that, you know, these classes, sometimes I, th I think that we think of them as like downtime for us. And that's, that's not true. Like we should be, <laughs> we should be involved as well. Um, and, and yeah, I think that, you know, the more we get involved and also that just, I don't know, it helps like the day go by when I'm more involved and present in what I'm doing than checked out. I think we, you know, we have caregivers of all of all kinds, moms, dads, nannies, grandmas, aunts, you know, everyone, anyone who's who cares for the child is, is welcome to be the caregiver for the class. Right now, one adult at a time. Right. <laughs> uh, small groups, but it's, 
not it you yeah a lot of times and i think particularly with nannies unfortunately it is sort of their their breather time or they think of it like their breather time and that's mm -hmm. a disservice to their to their kiddo yeah their kiddo needs them to be there with them and i i know it's hard because i watch kids too and sometimes you do just like need to respond to that text you got two hours ago but you've been trying to make mac and cheese and get them in the car and put on their jackets and you just haven't seen it yet so for 10 minutes they're gonna watch this other adult but not have to give them screen time like i totally understand yes. why you just need that for a moment but i also yeah i think i think those moments in those classes even if you do them every week are really special moments, I think, particularly right now, which is, yes. I, I don't know exactly when this is going to come out or what stage of the pandemic we will be in. Then. Right. We're recording this in January, just so everyone knows. January 2021. Yes. <laughs> um, and for a lot of people, coming to the class is like the time, the only time they have been out of their house that day mm -hmm. or the only place that they have gone or the right. only time they have been around other people you know maybe you've gone on a walk and left the house that way but it's the only time you are going to be around other people and that's both a little scary but so special as yeah. well and not taking that for granted because you have a moment to breathe and knowing that for your little ones, it's not their moment to breathe. It's their moment to engage and they need you to be the connector for that a lot of the time. Yeah. And I mean, you know, having brought up that study, it's also just keep in mind that, you know, it's a bonding time and it pays off like you're, you're more, your child is more likely to then work with you as a team later that day and that week and all of that, if you are bouncing along with them in the class That's instead really of, <laughs> instead of, you know, sitting off to the side or, or whatever, or, you know, like letting them go enjoy the music. If you, if you are also enjoying the music with them, then it's a really, really deep, like primal bonding experience <laughs> that, you know, is, is, and I also think that they're also, like you were saying right now, because we are all so um, physically disconnected, you know, there's a lot, there's been a lot of like really great, I think, emotional connection over virtual stuff, but we are physically disconnected. Mm -hmm. And to be in a room with other people moving in rhythm is such an incredible gift, always, but especially right now. It's true. It's one of the reasons why we've worked so hard to be able to keep doing it. Yeah. You know, a lot of people would think, is that essential? And then we look at our babies and we're like, absolutely it is yeah. Essential. <laughs> yeah yeah because i i i know that um I've, I've talked with several moms and i nanny for a mom who um 
you know, babies that were born last February, March, mm-hmm. April. And like those babies, their attachment is um, is a little different because they didn't get passed around to different relatives or, you know, they didn't, they don't have the experience of like seeing very many other people. And so it's also building trust of like, oh, I can trust other people. Like we're all enjoying this music together. Like this is a happy thing. It's not scary because right now too, whenever a baby goes out in the world, no matter, you know, what really happens, there is this, like, we all have this elevated anxiety about being out in the world. And babies certainly pick up on that. And so to have this, this place where, you know, you can kind of like fall into this music, is just lovely. Yeah. The hardest part is, you know, not being able to see faces. Yeah. We have to, we have to wear our masks and it's so important. And I am, uh, 130% pro mask, but yes. I just like feel, feel so sad for not being able to like, I, I was saying goodbye to one of my students the other day and they were in their car behind their glass. And I just, they've been my student for a few months now. And I knew I was far enough away and there was literal car glass in between us. And I pulled down my mask and they like, their face dropped. Like, I don't think they knew I had a nose. (laughs) That's hilarious and sad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I completely agree. So yeah, I think that, um, on top of all the usual benefits, which we'll talk more about those, Mm -hmm. but I think that, you know, even as we, start to get vaccinated as a country and like be able to move or as the world and be able to move back towards more, you know, quote unquote normal. I still think that music is actually going to be really, really important in like rebuilding some of these bonds and re um, introducing kids to the joy of other, of being around other people. Mm -hmm. So I just think that's, you know, this extra layer on top of all this other like years of research on why music and kids are great together. Hello, nannies. This is Rory from Nannyist. Nannyist is the free web app for nannies. It's an honor for us to support this podcast and to support nannies around the world as they deliver essential care. See how Nannyist can support you in your career by visiting nannyist.com. That's N-A-N-N-I-E-S-T dot com. Thanks. And back to you, Martha. So yeah, let's look at um let's look at language development. You you mentioned that, but I think that um, you know, like we learned the ABCs in song form originally. You know, like there's so much that we get out of songs language development wise. Absolutely. Songs are, and singing is an incredible form of learning communication. We, there's one song that we do with our littlest babies. And I feel like I'm, I'm talking a lot about our littlest babies because it's sort of the, the seed of everything. Right. But also because 
those classes are just as much for the adults as they are for the kids. So I spend a lot more time talking about using that time to engage and talk to those grown-ups mm-hmm. as well versus some of the bigger kids classes they're sort of ready to get to the next song sometimes right they're like stop talking about grown-up stuff play a song Gross motor development too many big words i need the wheels on the bus again yes yes um but we do songs like uh we call what we call a baby chat song which right now is a little more difficult, but we talk about how they, little ones learn how to speak, not from, not just from what they hear, but also from what they see. So letting uh, a little one see that the sound la looks different from the sound moo with your lips Mm. is a really big part of them being able to do that. And once you learn how to say moo, you'll be able to say, movement or Mm -hmm. I'm really really struggling to other words but yes we know what you mean there are lots of other words I'm sure you're screaming them in your car right now listeners those like those like the monosyllabic sounds that we make that we see that we hear babies making the gaga goo goos, the babbling, uh, are building blocks for bigger words and bigger thoughts. We yeah. also do baby sign language songs. Oh yeah, language. love baby sign language. I was actually listening to your baby sign language episode earlier this week and just, I've gotten really interested in um, baby sign language and specifically uh, early childhood language development recently and so that one was super interesting and I recommend anyone listening to this one to go back and listen to that one as well oh thanks <laughs> but yeah yeah and I'm sure I mean baby sign language songs right now are even more ideal because they can then see they have a visual as well as the audio and they have access to those gestures right so they can they can be singing along with their hands yeah. while they can't, while they still don't have the words, which yeah. is incredible when it happens. And it's usually just like one or two of the signs, but yeah, it's really still sweet. great. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I also think about like, you know, because a lot of songs are rhyme dependent, um, or that's the rules that they're playing by is, is that they rhyme. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that exposes kids to words that they wouldn't, you know, normally hear in our everyday talking. Um, One of my nanny kids uh, recently has been really into science. And so I've been playing um, Here Comes Science by They Might Be Giants. Love that album. If you all have not listened, highly recommend. Um, And there's just so many like words in there that I don't know where else they would encounter it except in these songs. Like one, paleontologist. (laughs) And they sing it like over and over. They're like, I am a paleontologist. Um, And they sing it. They sing it over and over. And so like now that kid knows paleontologist, which is like cool. She's three. 
So yeah. And like, she also is now really interested in like solids versus gases versus liquids because (laughs) she heard about it in a song and she's like, what is, you know, like I hear about this now, what does it mean? She didn't say it quite that way, but you guys know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it also, music is also, uh, linked to lots of increases in academic success later Uh on. Absolutely. It's, I'm trying to think of the exact thing. One of my, one of my favorite things, and this is not necessarily music, but we blow bubbles in our class. Mm-hmm. Bubbles. Love bubbles. And one of my favorite sort of fun facts is that the ability to, you know, eye track and follow a bubble through the sky is linked to the same part of your brain that will follow the line of letters and help you learn how to read. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I had not even thought about that. Yeah, I've also, I've heard that because, you know, music is built on patterns and things like that, it helps with math mm-hmm. skills later on um, and is tied to increased like SAT scores, like early music exposure. Um, and I'm not sure exactly for that research study, like what the parameters were, but, um, but yeah, it's tied to (laughs) increased IQ. Um, I have a PBS article, which I'll put down a link down in the show notes. Um, but it says a study by Eglin Schellenberg at the university of Toronto, Um, that was published in 2004, found a small increase in the IQs of six-year-olds who were given weekly voice and piano lessons. Um, They provided nine months of piano and voice lessons to a dozen six-year-olds and drama lessons to see if exposure to the arts in general versus just music had an effect. Uh, So to a second group of six-year-olds. So they had one group that had music and then they had one group that had just drama I think that's what that's saying um and then a third group had no lessons at all mm-hmm. okay no one group had piano <laughs> voice and drama one group just had drama and the third group had no lessons and the children's IQs were tested before entering the first grade and then before entering the second grade and surprisingly the children who were given music lessons over the school year tested an average of three IQ points higher than the other groups. The drama groups didn't have the same increase in IQ, but it did experience increased social benefits um, that was not seen in the music only group. So you got to be well-rounded, but still that's, you know, really interesting and exciting. Yeah. I mean, math is a huge part of music because you are, counting. I've been working hard this year. I've been doing something that I've never really done before, which is I'm teaching music to the virtual preschool that we're doing, which is like a little bit more of a formal music teacher capacity rather than a lot of my, you know, grown up and grown up and taught music classes. And it's been really interesting how they absorb music differently and like the lessons of it as opposed to just singing a song together or dancing together or using the music as a way to hit those developmental milestones, but actually teaching like different instrument types. Yeah. Singing a musical scale 
and how they pick it up so not easily but understandably like they just with repetition they get it and they they're you know children are sponges they absorb what you give them and it's really exciting that is really exciting I love that <laughs> I love that so much um yeah and and we we already touched on how it it helps build you know cooperation and things like that and um and I do think that there's there's this balance though, right? That there that I think there is with almost everything in children of like early in life, I think sometimes um parents hear all or caregivers hear all these facts about like it improves SAT scores and IQ and whatever, and they're like, okay, great, we're gonna just do that. And it's like there is a balance to this of children learn more in play. And so I think sometimes we get this idea of like, well, my child needs to learn how to play the violin by age four or whatever. And it's like, well, there's certainly children out there that I'm sure are interested in the violin and would blossom, but it needs to come from the child. And so I just, as we're talking, I don't want anyone's takeaway from this to be forcing <laughs> music. No, no. We had, we had a, a family recently ask me if I knew, knew someone, knew where I could get, they could get piano lessons for their two-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I was just like, you know what? Coming to this class, is the piano lessons for your two-year-old. Mm. So they're not necessarily touching the keys or, you know, learning the note values and names, but this is what's building the interest. It's what's building the curiosity and the creativity and the connection to music. And we do things like talk about rhythm and beat and even sometimes sneak in a little, uh, sneak in a little Sound of Music solfege song. Yeah. Um, bring in those building blocks, but sitting your child in front of a piano when their core muscles can't even sit them in a chair for more than 10 minutes at a time is not creating that environment for, for the fun that you need to want to excel in something. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I loved your answer to that family. That was such a gentle... Um, and kind way to say, you know, you're already doing it. You can check it off your list. Like, this is it. Like, like please, I'll just please don't. Right. Because, yeah, like like everything with kids, as soon as you, you start to say, like, this is what you should be doing, I, I call it getting a case of the shoulds. Um, <laughs> as soon as you start saying should about things or, like, you have to do this, then – all the fun is gone and then the benefits go with the play um the sense of play around it a lot of the benefits that we've talked about I think that if a child is reluctantly forced to engage with a musical instrument I I don't know that there's a study but my sense is that the benefits actually wouldn't be there 
because I, mean, I, I think you need to be really in <laughs> pardon my pun in tune <laughs> with the, the instrument you're playing to get the, all those benefits. It's really interesting. I, I did not have a particularly musical childhood. No, mm. I'm the only person in my family who plays an instrument. I, we, you know, had CDs in the car that we would listen to a lot, but music was not as big a part of my growing up as it is a part of my adulthood. Um, and it was all sort of a self, self-motivated learning and I didn't even know how to, I play the guitar in all of my classes. And I took like six months of guitar at age 13 because I wanted to be Taylor Swift. But quit We've been there, I yeah. Get ready for my bat mitzvah. Like, <laughs> and then I picked it up again at the end of college. And now I play the guitar every single day for a living. Mm -hmm. And that, I don't know if that changes my relationship to music or what. And I'm, I know my parents, you know, brought me to concerts and, and I probably did some sort of we sing together. I remember watching, you know, movies that had music in them all the time. But knowing that I, I self-selected music as a thing that I found to be important and learned later how important it is to have yeah. sort of grown up with it. And yeah. I, it's interesting, like I don't, we, a lot of times the kids will get really interested in my guitar <laughs> and they'll be like, should I start teaching my kiddo guitar? And I'll be like, come let them just like strum mine. Not as much these days, but, right. <laughs> um, but just ha watching them engage after, after seeing me play it, them coming up and, you know, trying to do it themselves, sort of just touching the strings. What does that feel like is so fun versus other kids who like, I might bring the guitar closer to them and they might get a little nervous about it. Like that's where the loud noises come from. Right. I like yeah. hearing you do it, but I have, I'm not, I'm not ready for that. The step of trying to make it happen myself yet. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I don't No, that is might not bridge together. For no, I think meeting, meeting your child or like letting your child's lead mm -hmm. is, is kind of the most important thing of like, cause yeah, there are kids that jump right in. And then there are kids that are like, mm, I'm going to be over here observing. I'm really enjoying it, but I, this is a good safe distance for me. <laughs> I, I am constantly saying observation is like a valid and important form of participation. Yeah. It's so important. And actually there have been studies where, um, for little ones, especially that age, and I'm not 100% sure what the study was. I learned about it, you know, years ago when I started teaching, but the mirror neurons in our little one's brains actually fire off the same way when they are observing sort of an action in a gross motor move than they are when they 
are actively doing it mm-hmm. when they're first learning it and when they are that little. So if they see you bound, bending your knees and bouncing, their brains are firing off as if they are bending their knees and bouncing. Mm-hmm. That's Even really their cool. Their bodies are not necessarily showcasing that yet. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like the first and and very important step. Yeah. I think a lot of, um, a lot of times caregivers or not even a lot of times, sometimes caregivers, um, don't see the rest of the iceberg, right. Of like what's happening in their kiddos brains. Um, They're not engaged because they're look like they're staring blankly, but actually they're processing so much like so much and yeah and I I think you know with music like hearing music come out of you know a smart device or whatever very different than seeing someone create the music in front of you or making it yourself or holding that maraca and making it make noise yeah um, yeah. And I also, um, I do, uh, an activity, um, with almost all of my kiddos, I've done this, um, where I make a playlist with a lot of different types of songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of different like rhythms, a lot of different, um, tones and styles and, you know, just kind of as broad as I can find, um, And on that, like, and then I I just turn it on. And sometimes the first time I do it, I just turn it on and I just watch them and just see what they do, you know, with the different songs. And sometimes like some songs they'll be interested in and sometimes they're like, eh. And then when they get older, I play that playlist again and they don't really remember it or anything like that. It's not like it's their jam, but then they're old enough that we can talk about it. And I say, Ooh, like this song makes me want to move this way. How does your body want to move to this song? And then we like go through the playlist again. And then sometimes with my kids, I've been with, with a really long time, we do it when they're like really old and we like, (laughs) with one of my families I've created a dance routine with one kid to like all the different songs and we like work together to create a dance routine so you can like build but I think it's really great to point out like I almost always include Flight of the Bumblebee on there because I think that that has a very specific (laughs) way you want to move your body to that um And I often include, because there's buy-in from it being on the Frozen soundtrack, but that first song on the Frozen soundtrack where they're like picking the ice. Yes. And there's like a rhythm. Yes. And so those two are always on the playlist and I rotate out some of the other ones. But, um, and I try to find music that they don't necessarily know and love. Although I know I did say something from the Frozen soundtrack, but I try to balance like, things that they have heard before. I do Peter and the Wolf a lot, the orchestra version of Peter and the Wolf. I find things off of that. Have you ever done, this is one of my favorite activities to do with like four to seven-year-olds-ish, which is, I call them like music art projects. Yeah. That's not a great name, but 
where you play different music and allow them to draw what they hear. Oh, I have not done that yet. And I will probably do it tomorrow. <laughs> it's really, it's really fun. Like what color is this song? Um, what kind, like, is this song swirly lines or straight lines? I do a lot of art classes as well. And that's just sort of a really interesting way visualizing music. Yeah, I love that. And I bet that you get some uh, like fascinating depictions and some like funny depictions <laughs> and some, you and know, so, I'm just like, I tried to draw a dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's that's what they're into that in that moment. And that's great, too. Mm -hmm. And, you but know, maybe so the fun. song made them think of a dog. Mm hmm. Um, or maybe, you know, their brains just thought of a dog. <laughs> yeah. And I usually try to do instrumental music with that. A lot of like what you were saying with those songs that you're picking for the, for that sort of dance party movement, uh, interaction with that activity, finding, I think music that has lyrics and music that doesn't have lyrics are very interesting, uh, differences in how our little ones respond. To that. Yeah, because yeah. when there are words, they are trying to listen and connect and understand the words, and of right. course the the melody and instrumentation of it is a big part of what creates a song's experience. But so much of the time, the lyrics are what they believe that they're holding on to. Right, right, and yeah, and I. Um, kind of naturally came to that because I, the words can sometimes get distracting for me because I know all of the words. Um, I had this experience in middle school where, you know, it was like the end of a semester and my Spanish teacher just let us watch Mulan in Spanish. Um, but I, because it was kind of like a party day anyway, I sang all of the songs in English. And then the Spanish teacher was like, wow, it is very different what you are saying and what they are saying. And then I was like, oh my gosh, that's, you know, so cool and fascinating. Um, but but yeah, I, I find that I get distracted by the words. So I kind of project that onto kids too of like, but I also know that their brains are, taking in a lot of information and processing a lot of information. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, yeah, sometimes taking the words out of it can be helpful um, when you're trying to add on a different layer, like movement or art or, you know, whatever you're doing with the music. Yeah. Another thing, another, um, yeah, study, I was going to, I just mm -hmm. wanted to make sure it actually was a study that I found, um, which came from an article on uh, childdevelopmentinfo.com. Um, they said that uh, working with the Miami Music Pro Project, the Florida International University's Community-Based Research Institute conducted a study which looked at how school groups uh, music programs affected the five C's of social development. So competence, confidence, caring, character, and connection. The study followed 180 children ages 8 to 17 years old for a period of three years. 
These kids were participating in an orchestra model of music instruction. The results presented in February 2019 found that these students showed significant increases in all of the five C's. And if we look at those C's again, competence, confidence, caring, character, and connection, I just think that there's not a caregiver out there that would be like, no, I don't want my kid to have more of any of those, you know, like those are all really, really fundamental parts of our lives. Well, even, even like the kids I work with, which like eight was like older than the oldest one of my students. Right. Like music has such a social emotional impact. It's it's similar to like the study you had brought up earlier, which is the bouncing together, making them do more altruistic things. It's a community experience. It's, a harmonic experience, right? Which is, I feel like that's both, you know, the literal and <laughs> the pun. literal versions of that word. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think back to your point about like some kids, you know, are really interested in your guitar and want to play your guitar and some kids are more leaned back. Something that I love about music is like that you can engage with it on your terms. And so like when we're listening to music in a group, you know, you get, you still have the bodily autonomy most of the time, you know, I've been to some concerts that have gotten a little wild, but like most of the time you get to decide, like, I, I want to move my body to this song, or I don't want to move my body to this song, or this song I'm going to sing along with or hum along with or whatever. And you can kind of like meet the music wherever you want to that moment, that day. Um, And I think that that's really important for kids too, because sometimes when we, you know, we set up an activity for kids or, or we're playing a game in a group of kids or things like that, they have to play by this, these certain rules. But with music, it's like, we can all be enjoying this music in our own way and we're together and we're also like safe in our own space. And it's so important that just music is such a broad category. Right. Orchestra music is different from rap music and how our brains and body, like back to that analogy I was making earlier, how our brains respond to that is incredibly different and yet it is still all under that umbrella of music. Yeah. Yeah. And I sometimes in my day use music um, to like transition to a new thing. So, you know, if we've been playing and it's time to like wind down from nap, this is a really good example. I often will turn on like lullabies, slower, sleepy music, like 30 minutes before it's going to be time for nap. Um, It's a great cue for their brains. Yeah. Yeah. And like, or, you know, we, we listen to so much Daniel Tiger and Tiger's great. I love Daniel Tiger. Love Daniel Tiger. And like, I have heard (laughs) I've heard the kids like they're two and three 
And if they like get mad, they like sit there. I've heard <laughs> one of them, they did get mad at, at the other one and they go, when you feel so mad that you want to roar. Like they were just sitting there like singing this to themselves, like trying to work through, like, what do I do right now? And they like turn to this song in a way that I think that if I had said even over and over and over again, when you feel mad, you should take a deep breath. I don't think it would have gotten to them in the same way that Daniel Tiger. Well, think about, I mean, I don't know, I don't know about your schooling, but in my eighth grade math class, we learned the quadratic equation to the tune of Pop Goes the Weasel. Right. Yes. And it made it, you know, if someone went up to me and asked me what the quadratic equation, I would be like, I don't know, I haven't done it in a decade. But then I remember that and I'm like, X is equal to negative B plus or minus the square root. Wow. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And and it, but, but it's only because I have that tune. attachment, that memory attachment to it. Yeah, the same, I mean, the same for me with, I learned 50 nifty United States in elementary school. And I can, like one of my favorite, you know, quote unquote, like when people are like, what can, like, what is the special talent you have? I'm like, I can say all the states in alphabetical order in under 60 seconds. Cause basically now I've just gotten where I don't have to like sing it. I can just say them, but I learned it, you know, in the 50 nifty song so i can say it's such a helpful tool in in memory in learning in having that sort of extra touch point of connection to a subject i this is kind of going back to one thing we were talking about right before this it like sparked my brain yeah um with my preschoolers we're we've been talking about silly sounds mm-hmm. how like just the building block of music what is music and it's just sort of different sounds coming together to make a whole sound a whole picture a whole song or album or, or moment but in if you break it down to its smallest compartment it's just like one silly sound right whether it's like a trombone toot or a vocal note or a bang of a drum it's one it's a it's a sound yeah and so we talk about what are the sounds that you hear in your house is your washing machine music what sounds can you make with your voice what sound you know, you don't have to have a maraca to shake. You can grab a box of macaroni and cheese and shake along. Yeah. Yeah. Finding like the everyday music. And, and then talking about how does this sound different? So right now we're talking about different types of instruments and how does, you know, a guitar's and not necessarily putting words to it, but just listening to a guitar sounding different from a clarinet? Mm -hmm. How does a low note sound different from a high note? What are the, and 
comparing and contrasting the sounds that we hear around us. Yeah, that's an awesome um, activity, I think, for nannies, too. For, you know, nannies that might be stuck at home right now or even, you know, if you're listening to this in the future and everything's back to normal, if you've gone to the music class and you're coming back home, that's a really lovely way to bring that music class back into your home of like going on like a sound safari where you're like going around the house, like seeing what makes different sounds. I love that. Yeah, that's a really fun. I love sound safari. Yeah, I just I just made that because I was like alliteration, but um, and because that's what I would probably call it in the moment. Um, oh, something that just came to mind is that um, music also really saves me um, when I am like when my brain short circuits. Um, I, you know, whereas if I was with people my own age, I might say a swear word, like if I get hurt or like emotionally overwhelmed or whatever during the day, whereas I might swear with other adults, I (laughs) like turn it into a song. I'm like, oh, wow, that really hurt. (laughs) And, and like, it gives me kind of the same thing. Cause you know, there's studies that swearing actually does like help release pain. Like it helps Mm -hmm. with pain management. And I have found that singing, like singing what I'm feeling when I'm overwhelmed can give me that same feeling of like, definitely, I definitely do that. And part of me is like, but is that, is that my like musical theater background? Or is that like my being a human being? I don't always know. (laughs) Yeah, that's a, it's a hard line. We don't know. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, it's, it's. I have found that to be a <laughs> helpful tool to have in my toolkit of like when I when I want to yell out a swear word that I sing about what I'm feeling instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I also think uh, like when kids get a little bit older, it's also fun. <laughs> there's a fun kind of like improv based game where you I usually start with not singing where um, we just are trying to like speak together, you know, like you like look really intensely at each other and just see if you can make it seem like no one's leading, like you're just talking in unison. But sometimes I'll add on, like, can we sing? Can we harmonize, like sing the same notes together or things like that? And that's a fun game. Have you ever done sound circles? No, tell me about it. This was something I did probably when I was like 11. So an older kiddo, but one person starts with a sound and it can be a vocal sound or it can be a body percussion sound or it can be any sort of, any sort of sound. And then you, the next person adds on their own sound oh yeah you're the first sound and then you add on your own so one person can be like no and you want it you have to make it something that's you know a repetition right but and then you just keep adding until you go around the circle and eventually you have this sort of really incredible soundscape yeah but 
it's not it's not a song it's not something that ever existed before or will ever exist again it's just I took your sound and made it my own and maybe one person's and it's not you're not trying to copy you're just trying to add, add on yeah I love that um are there any other um because I know that you're both in the, in a classroom, but also working with kids individually. Are there other games that you have found um, that you've taken, you know, out of the classroom and brought more into like a home situation that you found really successful? Other than just like singing together, we have a lot of dance parties. Oh yes, dance love parties. dance parties. Dance parties are big, especially transitionatory thing like. Someone's just had a big feeling. We can't play with that toy anymore. It's too much stress. Mm -hmm. So, hey, let's have a dance party. You get to pick the song, shake our bodies out, Mm -hmm. and then move on to the next thing or keep dancing for a half hour. (laughs) Dance parties are a big thing. Love, love a good dance party. And yeah, I... um... I just took a a positive discipline class and we were doing this activity and uh, a family meeting. Um, We were like pretending to have a family meeting and we were supposed to end with a fun activity and people were like, oh no, like, what do we do? Because we were all on Zoom and we were like, what should our fun activity be? And I was like, how about a dance party? Like, that's a really fun activity and we can all do it in our little squares and it'll be fun. So we turned on a song and had dance party. Dance parties are my very most favorite activity and really great in in virtual world another fun activity we'll do is sort of um if i have a guitar with me or something we'll play a song and i'll let them sort of fill in the blank of a word mm-hmm. so i'll be like row 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 your bus and they'll be like absolutely uh... not. that is the wrong <laughs> word that is not that is not how the song goes I love yeah. being wrong. I don't know if you're ever wrong with your kids, but I love. Oh, I'm wrong practice. all the time. <laughs> Today we were playing hide and go seek in a kid's yard. Uh, and uh, the child and their mom had built a snowman earlier in the day. And, um, or a different day actually. And uh, so we were playing hide and go seek and I went up to the snowman and was like, oh my gosh, I found you. And then they they thought that was so funny. I, I almost think that being wrong is the best way to ingratiate yourself to a child. Yes. Because they don't see adults admit that they're wrong very often. Yeah. It's the best way that they're like, no, I, I have something I can give to you. Oh, I let me teach you. I can share to you. Yes. Oh, I love that. Um, awesome. Is there is there anything else that you would like to touch on one thing that I am I'm very interested in I don't necessarily have all the knowledge about it right now but I'm trying to learn about it is making sure I'm aware of like the history of a lot of classic children's songs Mm. because some of them come from some like sketchy not so right not so great past and making sure that I myself become aware of what I'm teaching in my class has been a really big factor of this year and yeah. also making sure that so much, so much of the musical world, particularly for young children and 
most of it because like it's the same songs that have been sung for generations we are singing the songs to the kids that we learned when we were kids that our grandma sang to our mom as a lullaby so much of our music is it carries a lot of history with it carries a lot of history but also is not has a lot is just really culturally um, appropriate culturally appropriate but also just making sure that I'm not only bringing in you know white American classic children's music that's a really good point and I actually had written that down about culture through music and I didn't look at my notes so I'm a big category there's so much to talk about there really but, is, but I'm I'm really grateful that you brought that up because yeah, that's a huge, like, and so many children's artists. And I spent a long time a while ago trying looking for children's artists of color and of different like nationalities and of different places that were singing, not Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. You know, like right. Everyone has Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. I sang Twinkle Twinkle Little Star in my classes today. It's an important song and it's not going anywhere, but making sure that the songs I'm bringing in come from different places and different people Mm -hmm. has been something that's become really important to me in the past few years and trying to make children's music a more open environment for different people in different cultures yeah yeah and it it is really important to um I think that extra effort to be more inclusive just pays off in huge dividends um because what a wonderful window into you know different cultures and and because music is so, you know, connected primally to us, I think that that's another factor of it. Um, and I, I did an episode about food and I've done one about like creating dishes from around the world to study culture, but I also did one that was just about cooking and I'm finding the same thing to be true with music. And I think it is because it's so like, deeply connected and so primal to us in the same way food is that you can teach so many things through music just like you could teach so many things through cooking and food um because you know every every person has you know has experienced food and every person has experienced music in some sort of form the person who i've been most recently so excited by and interested in and learning about and trying to um trying to learn not only about but from is a children's musician named ella jenkins nice have you ever heard of her i haven't but i will be looking her up she is known as the first lady of children's music so much so that she has like um she's like a smithsonian she has like acknowledgement from the Smithsonian Institute and a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award because wow. of her work in children's music. And she is um, a black woman who has been doing children's music for 50 years. I feel especially inspired by her because she's originally from Chicago, which is where I live and teach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
And she has all of these albums, some original things, but also her work is in multicultural children's music. She has gone around the world and learned children's songs from different places and brought back stories of children's engagement in music in those places. And I just think she's really incredible. And I just, I feel like I would be doing a disservice if I didn't mention my trying to learn from her. Oh, thank you. And now that you've told me that, uh, I will link Ella Jenkins uh, website. It's ellajenkins.com, but um, I will link it down in the show notes. So listeners at home, do not fear. You do not need to remember. Um, It will be there for you um, because I will definitely be looking into her as well. Oh my God. I think, I just think she's amazing. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I've got new music to play because my goodness, I, you know, I. And she has, she also has all of the, all of the normal songs too. Like not normal being. Yes. Subjective. (laughs) But the. The usual suspects. The traditional, the, the, our, our mindsets of traditional early childhood music. Right. She's got it all, but she also has so much more and has been doing it longer and better than all of us. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we have so much to learn. I love that. And yeah, I, I think that um, also for nannies that um, like to like lesson plan and things like that, I think that incorporating um, music, and I'm sure that a lot of nannies are already doing this in their lesson plans, but if you are, you know, studying something, there's probably several songs about it. <laughs> Incorporating music into whatever I your lesson a, plan I'm is. A, I'm a huge theme person. Yes. I love, I love a theme for either my class or, or my day or anything like that. So just being like today, how many different ways can we explore sing and dance about sunshine yeah what are my like five sunshine songs how is one of them gross motor how is one of them rhythmic how is one of them um a finger player sign language moment Mm. but it's all sunshine so we have that like common thing do i have a sun toy i can hand out to all the kids yeah i love that yeah, I love I love a good theme as well. And I love um I'll often like pick up on the theme of whatever the child is doing. So I kind mm-hmm. of like do this blended method of like I'm bringing in things and the, and then also following their lead and um it takes you to some wild places. Like we got real stuck in in squirrels for a while. And we were very <laughs> learning about squirrels. <laughs> You never Maybe. knew you would know that much about squirrels. I did not know that I would know this much about squirrels, but I do because they did try to steal some food out of our stroller at the park. And I think that that was one of the things that set it off is that um, a lot of times I, I find when I let kids lead, they will choose things that kind of scare them to want to learn more about, which is also my method. Um, As an adult, my coping mechanism for when things scare me, I learn more about them. Um, So I'm glad that they're getting started at an early age. And I think that they they got a little scared that the squirrels took something. And then they got really interested in the squirrels, which is really cool. 
and yeah now we love squirrels we love that yeah so yeah i just i encourage everyone listening to you know i i know that you're probably already using music um but just open you know your heart and mind to other other ways to engage engage with music this coming week yeah awesome well I'm going to ask one more time because the last time I asked, it opened up a really great conversation. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Because I know that we could, I mean, you know, we could talk about music for probably the whole year and still not cover it all, but. Um, can I, can I do a little, do a little plug? Is that okay? Oh my gosh, please do. Awesome. Well, I am a music and, um, art and movement teacher for all sorts of little little littles in the Chicago area through Bubbles Academy and I love working for Bubbles and I think it's a really incredible place to watch children grow and explore and I think we all of what we do is based in how does this help them develop it's not about what can we make them learn but it's how can we help them grow And I feel like that's just a really special and important thing. And if you're not in Chicago, because this is a big, you know, a wide podcasting is not localized in any one space. Um, We are currently doing a lot of virtual and on-demand learning as well, which is a really fun way to engage. Uh, And a lot of people are very nervous about that, especially with young children and screen time. Mm -hmm. But knowing that there's a difference between sitting down and watching a movie and having someone look through the screen, say your name, model how they're moving their body for you is a really, you know, a special thing if if we're still doing this while we can't can't gather physically, knowing that we can gather online and that Bubbles is, you know, doing our best to make that possible. And we've had a lot of really wonderful experiences and and feedback on how people are engaging with their kids in ways that they didn't imagine they might be able to. Yes. Yes. I completely agree because um, my nanny kids have taken some um, like online classes like that. And it is, it's so very different from like what we think of when we think of screen time. Um, And so, and they, they are engaged and they're moving their bodies and they're, you know, like they light up in a way that, um, is very different than the kind of like blank slate that I see on their faces when they're like, you know, passively watching a movie, which I'm not saying that movies are bad or anything like that (laughs) because I love movies. Um, but it's, it is very different. Um, and also I I do want to... Oh, yeah. no. I was going to say, I'm really, I'm really proud of the way that my organization has been doing it. Um, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, it, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy when I see the kids participating along. And I think that's a really special experience. And for anyone interested, I'd want to share that with them. Yeah. So that'll be linked down in the show notes too, a link to Bubbles Academy. So you can find out more. Um, wherever you're listening from. That's, that's so exciting. I didn't even think about that. Um, and we started virtual classes the day after we closed. Wow. Wow. We jumped in and we've just been learning how to make it better and better for 
nine months. Building the airplane while it's in the air. Love it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and I also want to say that Bubbles Academy um, is really wonderful to nannies. Uh, they they were slated to host the International Nanny Training Day um, last April. And um, it did have to be canceled. But, like, they were so wonderful about all of it. Um, and like, you know, they were like, okay, we'll just postpone. And then, you know, we figured out that that wasn't going to work either, but they're just, they're a wonderful organization and they support you. So we try, you know, (laughs) nannies, nannies are a big part of what we see every day. And we, that relationship is so special and important. Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I, I love when, um, organizations recognize that it's, it's really, um, it's a lovely feeling to be like, Oh, you see me as a caregiver too. Cause not everyone does. And it's, it stinks. <laughs> um, so yeah. So I would highly encourage checking out bubbles Academy, um, and the, the link is in the show notes. So it's pretty easy to do. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, Amelia, we end each episode with a cute, funny story. And I hear that you have a pretty great one. Okay. I thought, I thought long and hard about this. I discussed it with the little one that I watched today. We went oh. through some of our memories, trying to decide what would be the best one. And I started as her music teacher. Mm-hmm. She came to my class and when she was one year old and now she's five and a half and has a two-year-old brother. So cute. I, we were talking about the time when she was when she was little, probably just about two as well. And I would be putting her to sleep, uh, either for down for a nap or mom and dad were out late. And I would always, and she'd get nervous because mom and dad weren't there. And I would be like, I will keep you safe and I will keep you happy and I will keep you loved until mommy and daddy get home. And then, and I would say that every time it was, it was a bedtime time. It became sort of our bedtime mantra. And so one day, um, mom and dad were putting her to sleep and they were like, okay, good night. We love you. And she goes, safe, happy, love. And they were like, where did she get that from? Where, where, where did she get that from? And she was like, Mimi, which is what she calls me. Mm-hmm. Mimi, safe, happy, love. And mom called me the next day and was like, I think you taught her what love means. Oh. And that's just been like the sweetest. I, I, just you know yes that warms my heart so much I love that oh thank you for sharing that story that's so sweet yeah Amelia my goodness this was such a fun episode thank you so much for spending time with me and uh thank you all for listening we'll see you next week I love providing chronicles of Nania to you at no cost So if you love this podcast, please consider donating by clicking the support the show link in the show notes. I also totally understand if a donation isn't the way you can show your support right now. 
Another excellent way to support the podcast is to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Those ratings help other nannies and caregivers around the world find Chronicles of Nannia. Also, if you love the show, tell your friends. Word of mouth is so helpful to get the word out about the podcast. And truly, thank you for listening. It really means the world to me. The Chronicles of Nannia is produced and hosted by Martha Tyler. Artwork by Noni Blastodon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudios.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nannia and on Twitter at Nannia Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnannia at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.